0: When Amber Benson decided she wanted to become an actress, her family left Birmingham, Alabama and moved first to Orlando and then to Los Angeles to help her seek work. Pretty cool, huh? And those moves weren't in vain. At the ripe old age of 14, she landed a role in the Steven Soderbergh movie King of the Hill. Not a bad first credit. Today, she's known to millions of loyal fans as Tara McClay, Willow's girlfriend on the cult television hit Buffy the Vampire Slayer, a role she portrayed from 1999 to 2002. In addition to nearly 20 years of steady acting work, Amber's resume includes credits for directing, editing, producing, and, of course, writing. In 2001, she collaborated with author and comic book writer Christopher Golden to create a series of comics for Dark Horse based on the Buffy characters Willow and Tara. The following year, she and Christopher took their talents across the pond to write The Ghosts of Albion, a supernatural animated series for the BBC set in Victorian England. In 2007, Amber signed a three-book deal with Penguin, which gave birth to the Calliope Reaper-Jones series. In it, the spunky, designer-clothing-obsessed heroine also just happens to be the daughter of Death, and she reluctantly sets out to take over the family business, Death, Inc. We'll talk to Amber about the challenges of writing a novel series, writing for a character that she played on television, and how writing is a little like being in love, as Amber Benson joins us on the Scripts and Scribes podcast right now. Welcome to the Scripts and Scribes podcast. I'm your host, Krista Bean, and today we're welcoming to the show writer and actress Amber Benson. Thanks for joining us today, Amber.
1: Thank you for having Mm
0: -hmm. me. Um, I actually met Amber way back in 2003. We worked on a film called Race You to the Bottom, and she was the star, and I was the script supervisor. And uh, I remember it was a really fun shoot up in the Napa Valley during crush season, and um, I think to this day that was still one of my favorite shoots ever. It was just like such a good time. I had
1: such a good time on that shoot and I think I think we all did very well cuz we we weren't all drunk.
0: Even though we were up
1: in Napa <laughs> Valley, we were we were mostly I think most of us were sober for the for the most part.
0: Even though they gave us free <laughs> wine, I remember in our hotel rooms there were bottles of free wine in there and yet we yeah, yep. yeah, we were sober all the way through the shoot, which was yeah, <laughs> amazing. Um anyway, the the movie's actually available on Netflix, so you all should check it out. But um, anyway, uh, before and certainly since then, Amber has developed an extensive writing career, and it includes uh, novels, comic books, movie scripts, short stories, a play, and a web series. Um, is there anything you haven't written? I mean, like a technical manual or a political speech or
1: something? <laughs> <laughs> I've been neither of those things. No technical manual, no, um, no political speech. Um, I haven't... Uh, I haven't written any ad copy for the back of, like, a cereal box, although that would be something that I would be very interested in because uh, I did a lot of cereal box reading as a child.
0: Yeah, that and that would actually be really – because there's always some kooky little character that you can, like, make up wacky dialogue
1: for. Exactly, some weird half-animal, some anthropomorphic animal weird thing that you can have talk, yeah.
0: Right, and you only know what it is because it's called, like, the Trix rabbit, and you're like, oh, that's a rabbit. Mm-hmm.
1: But, um, I had no idea. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you've written several novels, and your most recent novel, um, How to Be Death, was released in um, February of this year, 2012, and it's the fourth book in the Calliope Reaper Jones series. Um, are you finding it easier or harder to write the series as you go along? Because I think on one hand, the characters and their world are really ingrained in your mind, but on the other hand, you have to keep coming up with new ideas,
1: yeah, well, originally it was just supposed to be a trilogy.
0: Okay. And
1: uh, when I when I was getting ready to turn in the third book, my editor was like, wait, what about the fourth book? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, the fourth? Wait, what fourth book? I've got <laughs> – things are happening at the end of the third book that make, make it impossible to have a fourth book. So I actually had to go back in and untie a lot of loose ends and re- do a bunch of rewriting um, for the third book so that we could have a fourth and a fifth. Um, <laughs> but uh, it uh, – it's it it is it's you know it's a double edged sword. It's it's easier on one hand because I'm very familiar with the world. I know the characters. I'm I'm very much in their heads, but um, it's frustrating for me because I did not foresee doing five books in first person narrative, mm-hmm. which is very limiting in a lot of ways because you only can write about what your character knows.
0: Right. If your character it's...
1: doesn't know something, and I and, and occasionally you'll mess up and you'll look back and you know, go, oh that yeah I totally. I did not do what I was supposed to do here, (laughs) but, um, but for, you know, for the most part it's, it's, it's easier, but you know, the first person does get, for me, it gets a little boring because you want to like start playing with other characters. You want to know what they're thinking, what they're feeling. And with the first person you're really sort of stuck in your, your main character's brain.
0: Right. And you probably have to keep coming up with creative new ways for them to find out information, you know, cause they they have to find out what other people are already know, but, it still has to be realistic,
1: well, that was the thing with with the fourth book, how to be death um I wanted first of all, I wanted to make it interesting for myself, so I sort of put in these like murder mystery tropes. It's very mm-hmm. much like my homage to like an Agatha Christie locked room sort of who done it mm-hmm. um, but when you're solving a mystery, it's really tough because if you're in first person narrative like you don't know what's happening outside of yourself. So when you're solving a crime, it, it's really, you don't get all the information until the end, basically. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> so I had all these other characters that were like, she had to talk to and glean information from, and it was really tough because she had to be there for everything. And if something happened away from her, then we had to find out about it. We couldn't see it.
0: Right. And that was, right. that was,
1: that was very limiting. Um, so for the fifth book, I'm actually in the middle of, of writing it right now. Um, I've been playing with um different perspectives, different different um narrative Aww. devices, which oh, is kind of fun. So, yeah, so it's the first time I've done that with with this series and, you know, it's it's Calliope in her point of view, but then we're also getting other characters' points of view so that it's it's a little more well-rounded and a little more fun for me to write.
0: Oh, that's good. That's good. Now, is there going to be a sixth book or is it just five so far? Or
1: as of right now, it's just five. Okay, so We'll see what happens, um, but, uh, but I'm, I'm looking forward to, to getting busy on some other stuff um, mm-hmm. in the interim. So if we come back for a one that would be awesome, because I really do enjoy Calliope, and she's, she's definitely she's a unique creature. She, uh, she's definitely, uh, she has my ear when I'm writing her. She does <laughs> not let me get away with anything, and she constantly changes my outline. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Why would I do that? I like this guy, I don't like that guy. No, stop.
0: You <laughs> have characters that keep you on your toes. You have to Totally.
1: They really do sort of guide you. They don't let you um they they don't let you get away with stuff. They're, they 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 want you to be true to who they are. And so mm-hmm. if you try and like create a scenario in which that they're um they're doing something that is out of character for them, they'll let you know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> So now, what's your normal writing style? Are you more of like early morning at home? Are you late night at Starbucks, or however late they're open? I don't even know how late they're open, but um, what, what do you, what's your best time to write?
1: Um, you know, I have two two good times of writing. Um, I found that like like nine ten o'clock, I'll go to a coffee place and sit for like four or five hours and try and try and get work done, and that that works really nicely. And then I actually have a group that I write with um, called oh. The Shamers.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah,
1: we, uh, we, we shame in together. Um, so basically we're all doing different things. Like some people write for television shows. Uh, one of us is writing a romance novel. There's some, some fantasy writers. There's you know people writing pilots. So we're, we're not all doing the same thing, but we're, we're supportive of each other. So we, we meet and, uh, and write at the same time. And
0: we keep each other from being on Twitter
1: And force each other to work. Yeah.
0: Do you read each other's things and critique?
1: Um, Not really. I mean, occasionally if someone's stuck on something, they'll be like, "Hey, what do you guys think of this?" Mm. Or um, when I was when I was getting ready to turn in the fourth book, I actually had my friend Sarah and my friend Kate um, read read the book over and just tell me like, "Does this make sense?" (laughs) That's okay. Can you? Can you be my beta readers and tell me what's going on? Right. So, uh so they before I turned it in they both looked at it and, and Kate you know, uh, Sarah and I've done that for Kate and, and actually Sarah and I are actually I have another another writer's group that I work with, um, called the heroin club.
2: Oh God. Which
1: everyone's like, Wait, the what? <laughs> but it's uh there's three of us. It's my friend Nick and my friend Sarah and I and we're all writing stuff with female protagonists. So oh. heroine, as in female hero. Heroine, <laughs> not yeah, yeah heroine, a heroine, good, the
0: good kind oh, of heroine, not the yes,
1: yes. And uh, it's funny because we 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 have it over at Nick's house, and uh, we always have like buffalo chicken pizza from um, Papa John's. And, I love and that. That's so
0: good. Sorry, it's so. That's, it's
1: so that's good. good. We we we. We found, uh, Nick found it and brought it. And we were like, this is the best. And so we haven't gotten any other pizza since. We're just like, that's what, what we get. And uh, and we, we sit around and, you know, we go through each each other's stuff and we critique it. But uh, Nick's wife, uh, Jessica, came through one night and she was like, what are you guys doing again? We're like, oh, it's, it's Heroin Club. And she's like, oh, that's why there's so few of you. <laughs> You're like, wait, oh, she's totally right. <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> or, you know, female protagonists, yeah,
0: yeah. No, it's <laughs> great to have groups like that, though, that help each other out. Because yeah, because sometimes getting, you're just, you know, you sometimes you just don't want to write. You're just not in the mood. And I think if, you know, probably the same as like when people have like walking buddies or jogging buddies or something. You know, it's like when somebody else is expecting you to be there and and show up and help them out. Then it's like a, you know, it's a good support group.
1: It's totally true. It's like, it's like we're all trying to lose weight together. We all keep <laughs> each other inspired. We all make sure we're not cheating. You know, it's really, it's really nice. And it's, it's fun too because, um, my shaman group, it's all girls except for one guy. So that's oh. kind of fun. All girl writers, you know, and, and it's funny cause you would think, you know, there would be like a couple of guys that would want to get in on this. Nope. It's just, we just keep accruing more women. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, Oh, another girl. All right. So, um, now, how do you come up with the titles of your books and this this question is um of particular interest to me because Kevin and I both write and for him the title comes first it's like the bedrock foundation of the story and everything builds up from there and he can't he has trouble working on anything if he doesn't have a title in his head for it. Mm-hmm. I'm the complete opposite. For me, it's like the cherry on top of the sundae. You know, everything's there, mm-hmm. and it's just being at the very end. There's a title because I can't, I can't come up with it. It's really hard. It's, what is it like for you?
1: Titles are really difficult. Um, and then sometimes they're totally easy. It's really, it's really a, it's a crapshoot um, for me. Sometimes I'll sit down and I'll just have this title in my head, and that, that'll be what it is. Um, like Death's Daughter, that was what it was from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. I knew it. And, you know, it just it's what it was. There was no bones about it. But then uh, I'll give titles to the other books, and uh, Penguin won't like it. My editor won't like it, or someone at Penguin won't like it. So we'll have to go through and, like, do a whole, okay, now what are we going to call it? Hmm. So you get a whole a whole back and forth where you're submitting names, and they're submitting names, and you kind of settle on something. And uh, that's kind of how we've done it for the the other three books, Cat's Claw, Serpent Storm, and, uh, and How to Be Death. Uh, how to Be Death was originally called um, – uh, haunted Heart, and oh. uh, my editor, my editor Ginger is, is a sweetheart, and she emailed me. She's like, like the title. She's like, it's not, it's not that it's not a good title. She's like, it just sounds like a romance. She's like, this is not <laughs> what you're writing. So, so, we need to change this. And uh, what was what was uh, I think Serpent Storm was was Serpent Stone at first. Oh, and that got changed huh. Um and I don't remember what Cat's Claw was before it was Cat's Claw. I think it was I don't know if it had a title. It might have just been Death's Daughter Number Two. Okay. Um, <laughs> that always works. <laughs> Two 0. And uh and the fifth the fifth book is uh the working title is uh It Ain't Pretty Being Death.
0: Oh, I like that. Yeah.
1: Because what's uh, Yeah, I think it's gonna get changed though. So we'll we'll see what happens. But uh that's the working title.
0: Well, I like that so, title. So, yeah. You have someone in that Yeah. They've <laughs> um, been death. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. You somebody Literally, that.
1: yes.
0: <laughs> so now, um, moving back a few years, I think you're on the short list of people, probably in the entire world, who portrayed a character as an actor for a long time. You played Tara on Buffy the Vampire Slayer for three years. And then you wrote for that character in a completely different medium for comic books. Was that surreal at all? All this time you've had somebody writing this character that you portrayed and then suddenly, boom, you're handed the reins and say, Go for it.
1: Yeah, it was really hard. I was not expecting it to be so difficult. Um, luckily I was uh th- this is a series of comics that uh Christopher Golden and I did for Dark Horse comics, um, or the Willow Terra kind of one shots. And um Chris and I were doing them together and so we would, you know, we would we would talk because he lives in Boston and I live in Los Angeles. And so we would, we'd would talk on the phone and sort of break down the story. Then uh, one of us would sit down and sort of take all the notes and put it into outline form. And then we'd, you know, take chunks of it. Mm-hmm. And I found writing for Tara was really difficult. So a lot of times I'd be like, Chris, uh, can you look at this and make sure this sounds okay? <laughs> I think because, you know, I, I had, I think I felt kind of like it was me. It was like trying to write for yourself in a way, even though I'm yeah. not her and I don't, say the things she says and and in the same way but I still I felt like it was myself and I, I was having trouble distancing the writer from the actor character does that
0: mm-hmm. make sense yeah no cuz you you embodied her but you never you didn't never created her on the page so it's sort of coming out exactly. of a, a different angle yeah yeah, yeah and it
1: was really it was really difficult. It was way easier to write Willow and uh and Dawn the sister, you know, the Buffy sister. It was way easier to write those characters for sure.
0: Mhm. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Now, how much when you were writing those how much freedom did you have um to write what you wanted versus sticking with the parameters that were set up by the original um show, the original writers? That sort of thing.
1: Well, they they, you know, they have to sign off on everything because it is, uh, you know, it's a licensed
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know,
1: product. So you go through and you, you do all this work and then you turn it in and they give you notes and they tell you, you can do this, you can't do that. Or we wouldn't say this and, or that's divulging too much about this at this point. Cause everything's kind of done in, in, in an order in, in the universe. So you have to figure out like where in the universe this is happening.
2: Mm-hmm. Think,
1: okay. Well, this story is not at the end of, you know, what would be season six for Buffy it would be happening in season four or, So you can't say anything about this bad guy from season six because he hasn't popped into the world yet. You're only in season four.
0: Oh, okay. That was
1: really, yeah, that was really interesting. Like what you couldn't, 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 couldn't talk about. Not that they, it was going to divulge anything that anybody didn't know. It was just that you had to stay within the chronological world.
0: Yeah, it had to make sense within, within the world. You don't have people uh popping in and out, Right yeah exactly even
1: though you love that character from season six just you know or from the, the <laughs> comics from seven and or the comics from eight or whatever like you can't you can't throw it in there you you can't use it
0: right yeah staying so, true to that world um and now you also yeah you, you also wrote um uh ghost ghost of Albion for the b b c and mm-hmm. um and that was a historical piece that took place in, it was in early victorian england um how much research did you do into the into the time period for that, or or because because it was supernatural, did you feel like you had more leeway to sort of be more loosey goosey with with everything in respect to that?
1: No loosey goosey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, Chris 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 is sort of like my mentor. Like he's the reason that I am a writer now. Um, uh-huh. I, I I like I I put it all at his feet because he he approached me about writing the Buffy comics, and that's sort of what ju- what jump started my my writing career. And uh, and because we've co-written a bunch of stuff, he sort of guided me and told, you know, like, he's sort of been my editor before it went to the editor, if you understand what I'm saying. He sort yeah. of, like, made sure that what I was what I was doing was up to snuff. And if there were things that I wasn't getting, he would come back and say, okay, try rewriting this, this, and this. Think about, your, you know, this is what you're trying to, you know, establish. These are the, the rules within which you're working. You need to, like, be really aware of that stuff. And, he was it was like taking a master class with uh, a a very skilled, very talented
0: novelist. That's so
1: great.
0: um like a personal two yeah, novelist. It was,
1: it's totally what it was. And you know, I had never I'd only written scripts and plays and little short stories for myself, nothing published, nothing that anybody, you know, really cared about. So it was a real learning curve for me and I feel like with each thing I do I get better and better. I feel like there's so much more for me to learn, but I'm I'm starting to like really find my voice now. Only what, five you know five books in and and two that were with Chris and you know other things that Chris and I have done together, so it's it's a long process mm-hmm. but um but yeah, we were doing this book set in Victorian London, and uh we had to be really true to uh to to the reality um chris is is a stickler for that, like he think if we're gonna do this, we're gonna do it right. so mm-hmm. there was actually the, the thing that sticks with me the most was um there was a scene. Where one of the characters had um, a teddy, I one of them have a teddy bear,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I was like, teddy bear, yay! Mm-hmm. And then I was like, wait a minute, teddy bear, this is Victorian England. Yeah. When, were, when did teddy bears come into play? <laughs> teddy it bears was... show up with the advent of Teddy Roosevelt. Um, they are not there in Victorian London. There is such a thing as a teddy bear. So um, it had to be a dolly. It became a dolly. Her dolly. But like uh, stuff like that, you you know, if you if you're just writing, it, it's in our vernacular, so it doesn't you don't think oh this wouldn't have existed back then. I'm right. just writing like
0: me, blah blah blah. blah. And but there's always really the, there's difficult. always the people out there that will know, and they'll they'll be like oh, oh that was that's wrong, that's wrong. And Yeah, you have to like you always have to cater towards the you know the, the the highest echelon of of people who would be in the in the know about stuff like that. Mm-hmm.
1: They are very. Very uh, uh, verbal about letting you know. Like, they hit you on Twitter and Facebook and email and and it t- i had somebody stop me this you know in the middle of a signing and be like, "Did you know that that's not really how the da 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 would really?" I'm a physicist and da da. look da. Uh, I'm trying. I'm really trying.
0: I'm not a physicist. <laughs> it's like just just read the book. It's just fiction. Now, um, are you interested in in? 'Cause most of what you've written has been sort of um of uh, ghost of Albion the Side has been modern supernatural. Are you interested in expanding into other genres?
1: Uh definitely. Um that seems to have been that seems to have become my my niche at this point. Um so it, no one ever wants to look at gift horse in the mouth. So I love the supernatural world. I enjoy writing it. I love I love being a part of it. Um but I would like to do other other things. Um I'm actually writing something like on the, on the side, on the far, 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 far away <laughs> side. Um, that is, uh, it's, it, there's no supernatural. Um, it's much more in the vein of a Tom Robbins mm. sort of, you know, weird out there, sort of odd characters doing odd things and lunch wrappers talking to you kind of, kind of vibe. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so I'm, I, I would like to move into, into other, uh, other types of literature, you know, because I read everything. Yeah, I read straight literature. I read sci-fi, fantasy. I read. I love mysteries. Um, I'll, I'll pretty much read anything at this point. I'm a book whore. <laughs>
0: well, and that's good. So you always keep your, you know, your your horizons keep getting, you know, getting broadened constantly. Totally. And totally, I, would, I
1: think I think it's all about learning. If you're if you're in a constant state of learning. For the duration of your life, and you're doing it right. Right. You know, the minute you stop learning is when, when you should just pack it all in and move into a nursing home.
0: Yeah. I, <laughs> no, because I actually read uh, somewhere online somebody, um it was on a uh, forum or something, and somebody had written in, it's like, I don't, you know, I'm a writer, but I don't read very much because, you know, I just like to write. And people were like, well, they go hand in hand. You know, you can't just be totally. one or the other, they feed off of each other. So, you know, you really totally. have to, to be involved in both or involved in reading if you want to if you want to write. Now, um, I think so. So for um, for the Calliope bleh, for the Calliope Reaper Jones series, um, you did a lot of research into mythological, the religious supernatural. Um, was there anything in that research that you have taken away and have been able to apply to your real life?
1: You know, I I got very interested in like the sort of the Buddhist sort of way of life. Mm-hmm. I like I like the idea of of transcending self, mm-hmm. of of the ego being you know sort of this thing that you need to to like let go of. You need to to, to let it go and stop stop being obsessed with yourself and <laughs> and, and you know move forward and. And that is very appealing to me as, as a person. And that's something that I've, I've sort of come across as I've researched all these different things. And I've always been very curious about world religions and about mythology. And, uh, and I think, you know, there are, there are aspects of all of these different religions and all of these different mythological canons that that are good and that you should, you know, you should be aware of and you should learn from. Uh, there are other aspects that I don't care for um, but I think there there is a, there is something in everything, and you can learn mm-hmm. something from all of them. I can't I can't conceive of of a creator that would be like yours is right and everybody else's is wrong. To me, that just seems kind of asinine. Yeah, you know what
0: I mean, yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And and um uh because I like I consider myself a Christian, but I don't mm-hmm. necessarily believe. I mean, I don't at all believe that everybody that came before Jesus is damned to hell because Jesus, you know, you know, they say, if you don't believe in Jesus, you go to hell. And it's like, but Jesus wasn't even around before, you know, when these people were around. (laughs) So, you know, things like that, I think is, you know, don't quite make sense to me.
1: My my because my my parent my my uh sorry not my parents my grandparents were born again Christians and uh, I would get into it with my grandmother because I'd be like well what about the people in Africa that have never <laughs> yeah. heard of Jesus so they're all going to hell even though it's to no fault of their own they are not aware of this
0: right right you know exactly and it's like no I think God's nicer than that I think he would you know exactly there's different ways to get to him he doesn't have to be one way or the other so I,
1: I agree with you totally you know I think. <laughs> I think it's 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 more about like looking at all these different things and seeing like the good stuff and go okay, well you know in the Bible it says you know do unto or or uh, turn the other cheek when you know when Jesus turns the other cheek instead of you know trying to hurt the other person you know and I think that's a good takeaway yeah you know, the golden rule do unto others as you would have them do unto you stuff like that like. That's all really positive, and I think you know if we if we really looked at like the God you know the, the Gospels and and how Jesus lived his his life while he was on Earth, like he was a really uh, amazing human being,
0: right? You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Like the things he did were were wonderful, and we should take from that, not not get so caught up in like blood and crucifixion, and yes, all of that you know possibly happened, but like the good stuff, we should look at that and learn from that, and and that's in every every religion, you know. there's... I think human beings are what kind of mess up religion for us they take this thing that is positive and they use it for their own gain sometimes and it's not everything and everybody but occasionally someone will come in and just sort of subvert
0: it yeah it's like
1: it's
0: not yeah like the religious ideal and filter it through like imperfect people and then it becomes you know not what it originated as yeah no i agree yes so now you've also written um in addition to your adult novels, you've written a middle-grade book called Among the Ghosts. Um, how does writing for middle-grade compare with uh, writing for adults?
1: Oh, gosh. I love writing middle-grade. Middle-grade <laughs> is so much fun because, you know, when, when you're dealing with kids, their imaginations are unparalleled. Like, they, they are just amazing. They're, they're willing to go anywhere. They're willing to, like, to to, to, to just – you know, suspend disbelief and and fall into these magical worlds. And it's just ah, it's just it's amazing. You feel like you're do, you're doing something important when you're you're know, writing for kids. Um, you're not just writing something. You're you're sort of opening their minds, and that's that's really cool. Um, I loved it. I loved writing for 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 you know young readers because I I read a lot as a kid, and that was sort of my my window into other worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, I, especially. Especially like middle grade stuff. Uh, I was a big fan of Diana Wynne Jones. Um, she wrote a, a, a series about this guy Christopher Chant, and uh, it was kind of the proto Harry Potter. I mean, it's very different, but it's to me it was sort of like Harry Potter was a graduation from that. Um, mm-hmm. And I loved all that stuff. Um, but I love I love kids books. I just I think they're so magical, and they really are, you know. A way for kids to, to find other ways of, of being and, and, and learning about other people and other, you know, places. And it's really, it's very magical.
0: So what's your favorite type of writing? You've written books, comics, screenplays, short stories. What's, what's the best for you? Oh, gosh. <laughs> no, I actually really like writing short stories. Oh. And you were published in a couple of anthologies. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I've done, I've, I've written for one two, three. I'm like how many anthologies? <laughs> I've been for like three or four now um I think only only one has come out um it was a fairy it was a like a, a fairy anthology um and then uh I have my friend Chris golden who's doing an anthology, and I contributed stories for him for that it was about zombies and hmm. and I'm doing one with uh Charlene Harris and tony uh kellner do um a series of anthologies all about um they're all urban fantasy authors mm-hmm. and uh this one is called An Apple for the creature so it had to sort of deal with school in some capacity. Oh so that was really fun. So I did a Calliope Reaper Jones story for them and Oh nice. There some alter- yeah, There was some alternate universe stuff happening and it was
0: it was really fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Now in one of your uh blog posts a few months back, um you stated that having people experience what you've created, i.e., reading what you've written, um, is like someone being in love with you. In, in that, somebody is experiencing you, and in that way, you become sort of temporarily immortal. And I thought that was a really interesting viewpoint. And it, it seems to be a natural instinct for a writer, or you know, anybody that's that's in entertainment, an actor, anybody like that. Um, but for writers, I guess specifically. Um, it seems to be a natural instinct to want to entertain your readers and to have an effect on them and make an impression on them. But then you so often hear people say, you know, when people ask like, well, what, what's popular now, what should I be writing? And they say, well, you need to write for yourself and write what you want to write and not write what you think people will want to read. How do you reconcile that?
1: I think it's, it's a little of both. You have to write something that, that grabs you, as a writer, something that's interesting to you, but you also have to be aware of wh- what and what audience you're writing for, who you're writing for mm-hmm. because um you know if you say "I'm going to write this story and I'm just going to write what I want to write," and it's sort of you know it's about kids, but they act like adults, and so it's sort of like the, the tone is is not right for a middle grade book, but it's not an adult book and it doesn't quite fit in y a so all of a sudden you just you sort of taking yourself out of the game because you've written this thing that doesn't really fit into any kind of place Mm -hmm. and it's really hard to sell something like that because when you're writing something that you don't quite know who the audience is, then, you know, people reading it aren't going to know who the audience is. They're not going to be like, yeah, this is perfect for kids or this is perfect for adults, you know? Um, So you kind of have to know who your audience is and write accordingly. Mm -hmm. With that said, it has to be something that, 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 you enjoy. And I think that that adage, you know, write what you know, or mm-hmm. write what you like, um, isn't really isn't really right. What I think they're trying to say is less um, write what you know and more write what what appeals to you. Like write what story is exciting for you, not because it's what you like to read, but it's because the story grabs you. It's it's story centric rather than genre centric or person centric.
0: Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And I think some of the best stories are ones that don't necessarily fit into a particular genre, but that, you know, if it just has a good story, good characters. And, you know, sometimes you could reach an even broader audience with something like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. But you do you do still have to know, like, okay, this is either for kids or this is for adults. And I think sometimes people get lost in that. They're like. These these kids are really you know they're preternaturally smart and they can do all and it's for kids and you're like well no actually
0: when you're writing words kids. that most kids don't even know how to pronounce or what they mean they're quickly going to lose interest <laughs> I think
1: yes yeah, so you have to be yeah you have to be aware of your audience that's all just be aware of it and kind of know who you're writing for mm-hmm. you know, that's half the battle
0: yeah I think that that's really good advice that's really good um. Now I saw you. I'm going to be dating this interview, but I saw you yesterday at the uh, LA Times Festival of <laughs> Books, and you moderated a hysterical panel called uh, "The Nerd <laughs> Shall Inherit the Earth." Are you a nerd, Amber?
1: Um, I would think so. Yeah, um, <laughs> especially after after the, the the definition was finally sort of you know nailed down yesterday in the panel. Um, uh, John Scalzi and Pamela Ribbon and Maureen Johnson were my panelists and, and I, I asked them, I said, Well what is you know, what exactly is a nerd? There seems to be some confusion. And then it was everyone wanted to know were we talking about nerds, geeks, what are what what you know, what are we actually talking about here? And I was like, well broad general, you know, like do an umbrella. Nerd is the umbrella. We know there's all these different variations, <laughs> these different striations of nerddom. But um, you know, uh, give us give us just sort of like a a, a, a a definition of what nerd is, and they kind of came up with this thing: is 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 that a nerd is somebody who just really loves something. And I thought that was amazing Aww. because it wasn't it wasn't about being geeky. It wasn't about like you know cutting people out of the equation. It was about inviting people into your world. I love something so much, I want to share it with you. Because uh, one of our we ha- we opened it up to to questions at the end, and someone was talking about Comic Con and how you know. It wasn't about the people that love comics. Now it's become this media circus, and people there for celebrities. And and I think it was Pamela or, or John saying, "You have to look at it the opposite way. Don't try and make it this inclu- you know, this exclusive thing.
0: Yeah. Like these people
1: maybe maybe have never been exposed to this stuff. Like this is an opportunity for them to come to Comic Con and find something that they wouldn't have found otherwise. So don't don't dissuade them from it. You should encourage them." You know, maybe they came for the wrong reasons or for for a, a different reason than you would like. But
0: you know, yeah, you never know what you're gonna find. You know, when you just again broadening your horizons, all of a sudden you you become totally. interested in something you didn't even know existed before.
1: So yeah, yeah that's, exactly.
0: So so the nerd is just being passionate about something, and then and and wanting other people to share in it with you.
1: Yeah, like being so excited about something that you can't not talk about it, and I think that that was kind of lovely, you know. Yeah, you could, you could come at it. You could come at it from the opposite direction, which is kind of how I had thought about it when I was putting together my questions. I, you know, because there's this sort of like this burst of of nerddom in pop culture right now, and I feel like it sort of hit this this um this uh my brain isn't working. I can't <laughs> I can't think of words. So we sort of hit this this sort of you know. You know the the end of it. You know it's sort of like <laughs> we've come so far with this nerddom being part of pop culture that even hot chicks are being like, "I am a nerd." And you're like, "You're not a nerd." Oh um,
0: yeah, yeah. It's become so, like nerdism has become so mainstream. It's like yes, yeah.
1: <laughs> so um, yeah. So for me, I was you know I wanted to to talk to to my panelists about that, but they turned it on around on me. They were like, "No, it's not like that's great. We want everybody to be nerds. We want everybody to to." to be part of this and I was like you know what that is a way better way of looking at things than the question I was going to ask them <laughs> you know
0: right No, that that was great though and the, the the panel was hysterical I mean everyone was just cracking up and it was it was a really good time
1: uh yeah I, I laid that uh totally at the feet of of my panelists they are <laughs> a funny funny bunch who would have thought that a bunch of uh a bunch of sci-fi nerd writers would uh would totally, totally, totally uh, be
0: funny. And they are. Yeah. They just the entire auditorium cracking up. So,
1: yeah, I don't know I don't know if we were just amongst friends or if they're just <laughs> super, super funny. I think it's probably a combination of both.
0: Yeah, I think that definitely, yeah. So we're almost out of time. Um, I wanted to um, pose a few rapid-fire questions. These are just um, five or six questions that are either-or, and so I'll just say blank or blank, and you pick. Um, okay. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. Uh, chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate. Dogs or cats? Cats. Books, hard copy or Kindle? Hard copy. Los Angeles or London? London. <laughs> this might be tougher. Writing or acting? Writing. And it's a little nod to our pre-interview: red or blue?
1: Ah, blue. <laughs>
0: You stumped me, you tricked me I, Yeah, I throw that in Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Amber Oh my gosh, thank you
1: so much for inviting me to be on your podcast I'm very honored
0: Thank you, yeah, it was so much fun And uh, Amber's newest book, How to Be Death, is available at bookstores and online now and you can visit her official blog at amberbensonwrotethis.blogspot.com And if you have any questions on the craft or business of writing send us an email to ask at scriptsandscribes.com scripts Or send us a tweet to at ScriptScribes. And there's no and there in the middle, just at ScriptScribes. Thanks for listening.